Today's sponsor of Happy, Sad, Confused is Loot Crate. For less than $20 a month, guys, Loot Crate gives the geek in you a special treat each and every month. By now, you should know this, but here are the basics. Loot Crate is a subscription box service with over $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comics, and more delivered to your mailbox each and every month. This month, they're bringing you a fight for the ages, so suit up, choose your allies, and enter the arena for combat. They're ready to stand their ground this month with exclusive items from Blizzard, Fallout 4, Capcom, sponsor-worthy loot from The Hunger Games, as well as a few more items that will help their winners emerge victorious. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash happy and enter the code happy to save $3 on your new subscription today. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, it's that time of the week again. The time when you get to hear me talk to very, hopefully, much more interesting people than myself. Uh, the best and the brightest uh, in terms of actors and filmmakers. And that certainly fits the bill for our guest this week. Uh, the amazingly talented Brie Larson. Very psyched that she is on the show uh, this week. She is starring in Room, which is in select theaters. Seek it out. This one is a special one. And Brie, uh, don't want to jinx it. I don't have the power to jinx it, but I'm just going to say it. She's very likely going to be in the Academy Awards conversation, uh, and justifiably so. Uh, but before I, I get into more about Brie Larson, let me say hello to Joel. Hey, Joel. Hello. Uh, Joel is joining us for the intro. You've heard him on past intros. Uh, sadly, uh, Sammy couldn't make it this time, nor could Michael. But Joel's going to play all three parts. That's true. Uh, this is just for the listener. This is Joel. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> got it down. Um, so, yeah. So, let's see. Um, first, context on Brie Larson. Always good to give context to these conversations. Mm -hmm. You'll hear a lot of conversation um, when, she, when uh, she comes in about um, our surroundings. Ironic for a film called Room. Uh, because I taped this in, um, in our old MTV digs at kind of like a barren, weird office. So, a lot of uh, humor was derived from that. That Will hopefully make sense in the course of the conversation um and and beyond that i just want to say that a room which we talk of course a little bit about in the, in the conversation um is a really uh powerful and and um uh, exceptional piece of work it's basically um you know i don't want to ruin too much the trailer kind of already gives away a bit but it's basically about uh Bree's character and her son um they are being held captive uh in yes a room for several years of their lives and um Developments occur, and then their their lives are opened up a bit. But it's a it, it really is a tremendous performance for Brie, who has kind of been I think on a lot of people's radar for a while, thanks to Short Term Twelve, and then you know things like Trainwreck this year. She was in Twenty One Jump Street. Um, but Scott this, Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, but this one is really a showcase for her, and um, and she's off next to she's actually I think by now shooting the new King Kong movie with yes, Mr. Tom Hiddleston, and um, so this is an exciting time for her. So really thrilled that she came by and as you'll hear in the conversation she's i think i said this in a previous intro with you guys she reminded me in some ways of shaley and woodley and it's no surprise that they're good friends and that they're both kind of cut from the same cloth they're they're very i don't know they're very smart a they're very smart obviously very talented but um you know idiosyncratic in the best possible way 
That's, I thought you were going to say she reminded you of the girl that you have locked in your room. That's just not appropriate. <laughs> it's not cool. I haven't seen the movie, so <laughs> I'm not, assuming it's a laugh riot. No, it's so funny. <laughs> Stay for the blooper reel at the end. Uh, no, check out Room and check out this conversation. Uh, beyond that, we should mention, of course, uh, always uh, want to encourage you guys to check out our shenanigans uh, on MTV After Hours, the latest one, which we're very proud of, uh, with Mr. Will Forte, comedy genius. Yeah, I'm going to say it. He's, he's pretty amazing. Last Man Earth is the funniest show on TV I'm right now. I'm obsessed with that one. Yeah, he's great in it. So check out Last Man on Earth and check out this After Hours that we did with him and Allison Williams previous. Actually, both were, have been guests on the podcast. Um, so a lot of fun. They were they really went for it. It's a, it's a sketch, uh, I guess, called Celebrity Uber. And uh, you can figure out what that means, I think, from the title. Uh, and it's really funny. We're very proud of it. So check it on, on MTV News' YouTube page. And um, some really cool upcoming After Hours. We're actually taping one right after this and a couple more next week. So there's some really, really fun ones coming up. Can you say who? Oh, I don't want to jinx it. Because until it's literally like shot, you never know. At the last second, someone gets sick. I get sick. Who knows? Well, do you have a clue? Um, well, I will say they are all pretty much all previous After Hours guests. One in particular is one of the most recognizable human beings on the planet and probably I think has been in more after hours in, than any other person maybe besides Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark might be number one. Uh, speaking of which, we might have something cooking with Mark as well. That's something you, Joel, you, I, news to Joel we have to talk about Oh, soon okay, too. fair enough. Um, Marky Mark might be back in the mix. Anyway, um, th- th- this is exciting. We thought this could really juice up the, um, the intro. I've got mail on my desk. This is kind of a tradition. Wow. This is a secret Josh Horowitz, Joel Hannock tradition. What is it, Joel? So Josh gets a lot of free swag in the mail, promo items. That makes it sound much more exciting than it is. Well, well that's what okay, it is. Okay. Well, that's what, but they always come in different size and shape uh, <laughs> boxes and envelopes. So every time I come in here, there's always a pile of, of gifts that Josh doesn't rejects, and then I gladly open. Well, let's see. Like around the office, there there are some of those things. Like first, actually speaking of Last Man on Earth, I have it here in my hands of the Last Man on Earth um, volleyball. That's right. a prize. Well, position. it's weird because sometimes the promo items make sense. Like that's a that's a that, prop yes. or like a like a prop that's approximated from the show. But for instance, you have um, a lot of hot sauce, right? From top yeah. five. But that actually that is that, tied that, to the that, movie too, yeah. doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> well, the American uh, American Ultra. There's just a ramen, right? Yes. They sent you a pack of ramen as a promo. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it really, it's not. It's less about that, but and this might be the case with some of the stuff that you're about to open. They're only two packages. It's not very exciting. But um, often they're, they're FedExed, they're overnighted, and there's a ton of material, and there's like nothing in the package. And it's just, this is what government waste is. This is what, this is what, this wow. is what. This is getting the, too political. This is what the new president should be tackling is promotional item waste. <laughs> wow. All right, here we go. This is just a plain manila envelope Talk just to josh horowitz mtv okay here we go that's all it's, it's like it's like santa claus in north pole it just fine, finds tear it open to me. i'm gonna throw away the card as you do oh this is actually really good this is, oh. <laughs> this is screeners these are screeners can i oh these are these are pretty good screeners this is unprecedented really nine times out of ten the stuff i get is shit and this is we're in we're in awards uh season so i i sometimes get some movie screeners Ooh. sent me earl me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Very good movie. Which I is also, I believe, on Amazon Prime. So you don't need that screener. <laughs> useless to me. Okay. Mistress America. Oh, that's uh, good too. Greta Gerwig, Lola Kirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Far From the Maddening Crowd. Yes. 
Xbox searchlight. It's Madden crowd. I made the same mistake. Um, you want to add the N in mm, there, don't you? Yeah. Um, that's really embarrassing. Let's cut that up. <laughs> that's real. Thanks, Fox Searchlight. That's really those exciting. Are, those are three solid views. Oh, I was really hoping for something crappy that we could I laugh know. about. Instead, I feel like I'm the asshole who got really cool shit now. I know. Now it's like, oh, stop sending me free stuff. <laughs> no. Uh, this one's a good one. This is a big FedEx envelope. Okay. It's this in is plain old Manila. This cost a lot of money, probably, to send. What is well, it? You're asking to be an asshole. Really? It's a Hobbit. <laughs> it's a Hobbit Blu-ray. Oh, this looks oh, nice. This looks like a premium package too. So awry. You just got four free movies. Oh, well, there's also a, an EPK on beta tape, which okay. that's means nothing to anybody but us. <laughs> but I promise you that usually it's shit. I, 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 well, that's exciting. Sorry, guys. Don't hate me for getting occasional decent stuff in the mail. Wow. That went badly. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, <laughs> as always, hit me up on Twitter. Tell me what mail you hope I receive and what guests you want to hear on Happy Sad Confused. Check out uh, MTV After Hours on MTV News' YouTube page. And um, I hope you enjoy this conversation with the extremely talented and, yes, Oscar contender Brie Larson. Enjoy. What's all of this mean? I have no idea. So here's what you need to know. We should close the door also. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, this is not my office. I'm squatting here because my office it is downtown. It looks like a squatter's office. Right? So don't judge me from this office because this is the sketchiest, weirdest office Right. Ever. It looks like you were very low in this company. I, thought, <laughs> I feel like you were judging me when you walked in. You're like... I thought I was like, what the head of empty. <laughs> so not where's, where's his clothes? <laughs> Two barren hangers. And oh, do you want to see the one mug that's here? This is what I found an hour ago when I walked in. No. For the benefit of the listeners. Number one, sexy lady. <laughs> Number now, one, sexy lady. If you do well lady. on this podcast, you can walk out with this, Brie. I can't take this sexy lady's mug. I don't think I, the sexy lady, I think, has vacated this office. Clearly, she Sexy left. lady's not here? I think she's gone. Do you think she's not feeling so sexy because she's not in this <laughs> office anymore? This office screams sexy, right? It could have been. It's got disinfecting wipes. It's got... What else uh, am I saying? A case of batteries. Two pillows. <laughs> 2015 calendars. This is a recent... Someone yeah. has recently moved she out was, of here. She was very neat when she left. Um, well, sexy lady, number one, sexy lady, this one goes out to you. We're thinking of you. This is a dedication. It's Casey Kasem. Oh, <laughs> dedicated straight to you. Um, thank you for coming over today. Thank you. Do, am I at the right level of this I microphone? So. I feel you the need to sort of manhandle it. I want to sort of like do whatever you need to do. Get into it. I know your background. Micro microphone professional. Um, congratulations on the movie. Thank you. We'll get the serious stuff out of the way, and, and so I can earnestly say. You killed it in this movie. It's an Thank amazing you. piece of work. Um, so is this an enjoyable time? Because you've been running ragged. I see, I see you everywhere. You're talking to a lot of people. <laughs> it's all for a good cause. It's a great movie. It's a great performance, as you should. But what's your level of sanity right now as you sit here? Is Oof. it taking a toll? Is I it can't tell. I've, I've discovered. So I'd say here, here's, here are all my levels. Okay. Tired, but happy. Okay. Uh, never really feeling hungry, but know that I should. So every so often I just sort of shove something in my mouth. Right. Um, no time to think about myself whatsoever. No idea what's going on internally in my head. Not really in touch with much. Um, and so in talking with my friends who have newborns, they say that this is pretty much the same <laughs> 
experience. Yeah. And yet the conundrum is, as you say, you know, you're not thinking about like the vital things that fuel you on a day-to-day basis normally, yet you're talking endlessly and have to be effortlessly profound and interesting, which you seem to be in every interview. I, I'm, I'm a little intimidated by watching your conversations. I feel Ooh. like I feel like your IQ far surpasses mine. I doubt it. No, I, we, we should test it at the end. Uh, how will we? No. You got an IQ test? <laughs> Why don't, don't we, we should take... <laughs> We should take some sort of quiz at the end of this. Yeah. It's like, which Spice Girl are you? Oh, which Spice Girl do you think you are? I'm, well, it depends. I mean... Which Spice Girl do you, are you feeling like today? <sighs> today I'm feeling like Tired Spice. But <laughs> they talk about Tired they Spice. They never, ever talked about Tired Spice. <laughs> it was probably Scary Spice. Right. Because she was so tired, but they right. just called her scary. Because she was really just very tired. Don't call her tired. She'll hit you. <laughs> <laughs> she is so tired. She is scary. <laughs> um, but has this been an enjoyable thing? Because this is a good thing. This is a film you're clearly very proud of, and you're getting insane notices course, as the film is. Um, are you finding that there's endless stuff to talk about? Or are you finding that it's, yes, it's one actually. of those that you can actually find new stuff to say? No, there's a lot of stuff to talk about with it, because the movie is so metaphorical. Oh, my God. Is that Lady Gaga on the wall? I just got terrified by that. That seems to be some treatment of... No, I don't think it is Lady Gaga. Oh, Okay. It's, I think it says Bianca Del Rio takes oh, movies. Oh, okay. I don't know who Bianca Del Rio is. Okay, we should well, she was later. right right in my eyesight, and suddenly she was just glaring at me. Is that number one sexy lady? <laughs> yes, that was Bianca's office. Oh, Bianca. Oh. Um, well, the movie is so metaphorical that there's so much stuff in it. Yeah. And so every time I talk with somebody, they feel very much like, so the movie's about this, right? Right. Like, oh, and you go, yeah, for sure. And then they go on this whole tangent <laughs> well, about like it. it. Then and yes. then yeah, I've talked about it a hundred different ways, yeah. which is good. Well, when you see, I'm curious, when you see the finished product of, of a movie, is it always a surprise to you? Does it always feel like no matter what it felt like on set, it's got to still feel like a different yeah, thing? Yeah, totally. So what did it feel like in, in this case? The first time I watched it? Yeah. My reaction's not interesting the first time I watch them. It feels like nothing. It's like mm-hmm. you just are sort of sitting there. I have zero emotion. I'm like, oh, 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 there's the back of my head. And there's the front of my head. There's the side of my head. Oh, that's what my nose looks like. Okay. Well, oh, the movie's over. Right. And you have zero emotion about it. And so it was very surprising. Luckily, I was there with like, there was like five other people who watched it with me for the first time. And they were all crying. And so I was able to go. Are they crying because it's bad, my career's over, or are they crying because it really moved them? Because I really just had zero emotional connection to it. Because it's still just like a series of images in front of me that don't make sense because I know so much of the process. But after watching it maybe like four times then, I, I cried when I watched it. Suddenly it sort of, I could see it outside of, I realized that it takes a long time to not watch it through Ma's eyes for me. Sure. It takes a while before you can actually watch it and I can have my own, like Brie can have a relationship to the characters and to the movie. Is uh, Are you a crier generally in film? Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy a good cry. Do you? you, you it's a cathartic thing? You like you, you seek it out? Because my wife is the same way. I feel like I mean, she I don't watches s- a lot. I don't seek it out. Yeah. But it does happen. Like Wreck-It Ralph cried. Inside Out cried. <laughs> so animation. My dog basically. Skip cried. Okay. Animals and animation. These are your go-to. Those are major tearjerkers. I've cried at the end of Chopped. It's a cooking no, competition show. Oh, just you just made it. such a confused I, face well, that I was like, "You must not know what Chopped is by that face." But <laughs> the face was really—you cried at the end of Chopped. Oh, well, I think 
to be fair, I think others might share my reaction. I've never watched an episode of Chopped. I'm familiar okay, with some it of is. them. They are very like underdog stories. Oh, okay. And then there was this whole competition they did with kids, right. and it really tore me up because the kids would cry when they would get cut, and it just they were so sweet. They're like nine years old, and I just. It made me cry. I cried every time one of those kids got chopped. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard you talk about the, you know this film, and I feel like a lot of people assume that the answer to a question like "Oh, it must have been brutal every day in making it," I'm the subject matter, so is so weighty. Like, it's, it, yeah, it was a dark and twisty world that we were living in. Do we want to embrace that? Just go down that, that just, line. Let me let me take. Can you add? Do you add sound effects? Can we sure, add like we can for you like rain? Want. Yeah, it's raining. Okay. Oh my god, do you hear that rain break? Rain and there's lightning crackles. <laughs> And then you're Whoa! <laughs> and that's what it was like to film Room. Actually, was, it no, wasn't. it wasn't. It actually wasn't at all. No, it was actually a lot of jokes. Lenny, our director, is very good at impressions. And sometimes um, on especially difficult days, he would just come to work as a completely different person. Hmm. So he would just show up. Um, my favorite character was he would show up as sort of the mayor of this small town in Ireland um, who was very interested in just getting photos for the local newspaper. Okay. And so he would it's a just act. Specific backstory. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> and so his entire the whole day he right. would just act like who cared about making the movie? He just was trying to find people to take photos with him for the local oh, paper. That's, this seems like I, uh, admittedly I've not I've, I've been on a few film sets, but this doesn't seem my typical behavior for a director. That no, and he's be. very sane. I should say I didn't say I haven't I haven't said Qualified. any of the wonderful intelligent things about him. So anybody who's out there listening, going, this sounds like you were working with a crazy person. But it was very funny because it was the only way to really break it up. Like humor became such a necessary form of communication during the making of this movie because otherwise, right. it's you just fall down a sad, sad hole. And it never just come yeah, out. it just gets sad. Yeah. And we're also shooting in the dead of winter in Toronto, which is automatically a sad. Right. Blizzards, sad. Blizzards don't equal big time fun. And I was on like a diet, so I was really having my protein shakes. Like protein shakes in a blizzard, that's depressing. Right. Were you constantly thinking about the food that you were depriving yourself? I would have been just thinking about the cheeseburger. Yeah, the cheeseburger in paradise yeah. that you couldn't have. <laughs> uh, mm, I went through phases. Mm-hmm. Where I did and I didn't. I mean, there was something to the monotony of it that I sort of liked, and then I would feel angered and yeah, trapped your, your by. You don't have to think and then I'd be like, "Ooh, I'm just like in room. I feel trapped by my food options." Right. And you, and you also came away with this. It seems with with a bestie for life, and and, and sweet and Jacob. Jacob, who's the best. Right. He's the absolute what, what, best. What would have happened if you showed up on set and it was a it was a demon child? That you I made don't it. even want to talk about that. <laughs> that I, that's that's like if multiverse theory exists. I don't want to live in <laughs> whatever. I don't want to live in that alternate reality <laughs> at all. That could have been horrible. Yeah. Or what about a kid who like doesn't really want to be an actor and it's just like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. You can see that being something where the parents like, no, no, really. No, no, he really does like it. Right. He just, he's saying it for you. No, he when just, he gets home, he, he, just he loves to act. <laughs> he does all those scenes when he's at home. It's just he gets nervous on set. No, we lucked out that we found this kid who like, really takes the craft seriously yeah. and really wants to do well and really enjoys it and has fun doing it and thinks that all, every aspect of it is really fun and exciting and would make people clap after the end of good takes and was just <laughs> brought this incredible energy to it. I feel like you should start to apply that to your future work and ask the crew to clap for you after it's each It's just take. not the same for an adult. Can you imagine <laughs> I do, if I, I like, let's Day-Lewis pick out, that. he, he oh, that's his thing? Yeah, that's that's his thing. About it, he but. does his big, like, imagine like the end of like, like the shot 
the famous Shawshank Redemption scene. Right. And afterwards, it was like, all right, come on. Hello? Hello. <laughs> that was pretty good. It looks totally different for an adult than when, when an adorable eight-year-old does it. You're like, yay. So does that, does that re-inspire you? Do you need re-inspiring? Like, are you a, a, can you get a little jaded as an actor on set, having done it for a while? Or does it... I still think it's really fun, but it's easy to take it very seriously. Mm -hmm. But you have to. I mean, there has to be a certain level of tension around what it is that you're doing, because I think that works for it. Sure. You want that little bit of like, is this going to work? I don't know. Let's like keep trying to find it. Right. If you feel like, oh, I'm great, and this movie's great, I can just sort of like go lays down the river, then it's not really going to work. You kind of need that friction. Right. But you can also become completely consumed in these mundane daily tasks of being an adult where we like right. really get so focused on something feeling like it's the end of the world. And sure. Jacob is there going like, no, it's not. Yeah. So if, you, if you're living and breathing this for a while, which I know the prep period was a long time and and, the, and, and for the shoot, which I assume wasn't that long a shoot or what? 49 days is okay, a long so, time. Yeah, that is. Okay. So what are you, what are you doing in between shots when you're going through the trailer? Are you like decompressing and doing something totally different? Are you able to, or are you? Well, part of my, my exploration and my agreement in doing this movie was that I wasn't going to go back to my trailer in between takes and that I was going to hang out with Jacob all the time so that we were always in the zone. And part of that was so that Jacob didn't have to worry so much about switching on and off or feeling confused. Right. And we could also have the camera rolling maybe at times when he didn't notice to catch certain things that maybe he, maybe we couldn't catch if there's the formal sort of slate comes in, yes. says action, and then we say cut. It's a little easier. We could, we could sort of roll and start a little bit earlier and kind mm -hmm. of ramp up into scenes a little bit. And so I agreed to that and it was in a wonderful agreement because I enjoyed hanging out with him all the time. So, so having acted throughout your life starting when you were pretty young does it give you a different perspective in working with a, a young actor are you do you feel like you were more protective or knowing the things you liked or didn't like when you were probably treated as a as a kid actor? Sort of I think the main thing that I thought about was I remembered the times that I was talked down to, and I remember the times that I was respected. Even at like seven, eight years old, I really, really loved acting. I took it very seriously, yeah. and I wanted people to take me seriously. I didn't want to be talked down to. I didn't want to be tricked. I wanted to be an active participant in the creative process. Right. And and once I met Jacob and realized that he's the same way, that he is a, has a, is a real force, he's an artist, he's a new at the form and so he's learning how to be a better artist but he still won so that was that was important to me that he always felt like he could speak up that he had a say that if something didn't feel right that that was valued um and that he was just like a he, we called each other co-workers right and well kids well, yeah i mean yeah kids really respond to that if they're being treated they get the oh i have a seat at the table too i'm i'm an adult i get to be act like an adult sure right. they feel great yeah but i think a lot of my my love for him or my understanding of him if i do have any i mean it feels like i do but who knows he would probably be like no you don't <laughs> <laughs> spot on jacob impression yeah pretty close uh <laughs> Is I was old. I'm the oldest grandkid. I was a designated babysitter. I grew up. I mean, from 
my my two younger cousins who from when they were born up until they were like 15 years old either lived in the same house as us or next to us for most of for like my whole life so i grew up around kids and i loved it i think they're the best i think they're the most fun and i have a huge imagination and i'm always coming up with some sort of crafty crazy idea especially when i was like younger and it's summertime i'd always be the one getting the neighborhood kids together and like building something you know building a bunch building a whole playground out of cardboard boxes or trying to get everybody to make a movie and forcing everybody to like play certain characters that i had written them and um kids are just so down to play that's all they want to do and there's no they're not self-conscious right there's no fear and so you can sort of get them to 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 play with you and then you get the opportunity to be in this world that's so much more fun than the adult world i mean seriously yeah totally so what you were you were homeschooled correct Mm -hmm. so was that for some of it for some of it okay did that impact i mean it sounds like you were able to socialize in a relatively normal way then if you're the gang leader in terms of like motivating kids to get together and do crazy crazy stuff did it feel like were you wanting a different experience when you were homeschooled or did it feel like, oh yeah, this is, this is cool. I'm getting the best of all possible worlds. Well, I was, so I went to public school up until like junior high. So it was really, it was really just like half, I think it was like half of a year of junior high because I was doing a TV show and then high school I was homeschooled. So most of the, most of my life I was in public school. You kind of missed the most awkward pain, potentially painful. Yeah. And and really my, my reason for doing it was just the district, the high school that was in my district. I just, I got handed a bunch of teachers that I didn't like and I didn't, I was different. Um, I didn't want to wear Abercrombie and Hollister and I didn't, and I was, would get picked on and I tried to join awkwardly join the cheer squad and I was really awkward and couldn't and all of the cool people got in right. and um, even the girls that were like my neighbors that were sort of my friends when we were in elementary school, like they became cool and popular and <laughs> I had nobody. So because I felt in between and awkward and then on top of it, my interests were unlike anybody else that I knew and I had been acting for many years at that point, right. it got more difficult once you have... You know, if you have one teacher, it's very easy to, to communicate with them and be like, hey, you know what, I, I booked this job and I'm right. going to be out for a little bit. We've got whatever, seven or eight. And they're all sort of, at least at this school, they were just like cranky. And they're like, right. who do you think you are? And you're doing what with your life? Right. No, <laughs> it's a tardy or it's an absent. And if you're absent three times, then you fail the class. And it's like, well, I'm either going to fail school or I'm homeschooled. So I chose that. And it was the best decision because I got to... I got to take subjects that I was really interested in and um, I got to do it at my own pace, which at my pace was extremely fast. And I graduated in like six months. I was done by the time I was 15. So clearly homeschooling works if there's a naturally inquisitive, not so lazy person. If you like to learn. I mean, my issue was, was, had nothing to do with learning and I still, I love it. Like I love taking classes. I'm fascinated by like, so in hearing you talk about, you know, feeling kind of different and not being, you know, the Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister and that kind of person, which you clearly weren't and aren't for, for kid actors, for teenage actors, like most of the material you get feels very down the middle, very kind of homogenized sitcoms, kind of, you know, banal stuff, a lot of it is. And I'm always fascinated by like people like you and people, some of, some of your peers who I think you consider 
your friends, people like Shailene and, and Kristen Stewart, who I've talked to a lot over the years, who are who clearly kind of marched to a similar drummer of their own mm -hmm. and yet had to kind of negotiate that period of time where probably most of the stuff you're offered is not the cool indie Todd Sowans movie, which you, you know, right, just did. Right, right. It's, it's commercials, it's sitcoms and that kind of thing. W was that something even at a young age that you were like, you know, rebelling against? Were you not happy with the kind of stuff you were doing or was it totally. of, your, of your mindset back then? I was completely dissatisfied with it. But the other saving grace, I guess, was although I would audition for some of these things, I'd never book them. Like I couldn't. I mean, one of the worst feedback I ever got in my life where like the casting director was just livid and was like, I will never let Brie in my office again was for Twilight. Like I couldn't, it just, that type of stuff didn't compute with me. So, like, like what happened in that room that like made it so awkward and well, horrendous. there were times that because I'm very interested in the emotional honesty of things, which at times looks kind of ugly and at times looks scary and it's not polished and so there are many times where I would audition for something and I would come from you know for me a very uh, you know honest place sure. but it's completely not what they're looking for for that type of material yeah. and then you find out later that like Vanessa Hudgens got the part and you're like <laughs> oh that's why that they looked at me like I was a crazy person right. but I was always very steadfast in what it was that I was interested in and I felt like I'm going to tell the truth as best as I know it and you eventually start to understand that the projects find you that, that meet up with that. Yeah, maybe not on your timetable or whatever. Yeah, it takes as long there. as it takes, yeah. right? And for me, it took like 20 years, yeah. but um, I'm really glad. Yeah. I'm really glad that, it, you know, the jobs always ultimately end up going to the person who's supposed to tell that story. Right. And those aren't my stories to tell. Hey guys, time for a special message from our friends at Loot Crate. Would you classify yourself as a geek, gamer, or pop culture nerd? Well, then Loot Crate is the subscription box for you. Loot Crate, of course, is a subscription box service with over $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comics, and more delivered to your mailbox every month. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com happy and enter the code happy to save $3 on any new subscription. Every month, it's a different theme. All are inspired by classic movie and video games releases, as well as pulling from pop culture franchises. Previous crates have included items from franchises like Star Wars and Marvel, and The Walking Dead and Legend of Zelda, and so much more. This month, they're bringing you a fight for the ages. So suit up, choose your allies, and enter the arena for combat. They're ready to stand their ground this month with exclusive items from Blizzard, Fallout 4, Capcom, sponsor-worthy loot from The Hunger Games, as well as a few more items that will help their winners emerge victorious. Whether you're risking your life in battle or taking no prisoners in the wasteland, our loot will be at your side to help keep things interesting. So basically, Loot Crate is like a friend who knows what you love and surprises you with an awesome present each and every month. And did we mention that they ship to over 13 different countries too? You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it, it's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash happy and enter the code happy to save $3 on your new subscription today. Now back to the show. Did you ever feel like you had to take jobs for the wrong reasons or just to kind of stay in it just to get, I, keep your name out there? I'm trying to think. No, because for so long, for a lot of the time I was still a kid, so I was living at home, so I had no bills to pay. Right. And then by the time I moved, I moved out, I was on a TV show. 
And then I was able to sort of like cruise on that. I mean, it was like three years of that show. There were definite moments where I hit like my last dollar. Yeah. I mean, even during short term 12, I was like down to the limit, like could not, no exaggeration. Like we would, all of us on short term 12, we would, we would have our lunch and then the lunch lady would pack it all up into to-go boxes, and that would be our dinner. Right. And we were living off of the chips of craft service and the whatever was extra at lunch. I mean, that's that was a very low point. I was eBaying stuff for Christmas presents and so that I could keep wow. paying my rent. Like it was, it was real. There was a lot of tears in my <laughs> kitchen with my mom going, you know. I think this is it, you know? It's a very odd thing when I you have a dream at six years old and you keep going, but as many times as you're told no, if you have any sort of shred of intelligence or sense of reality, at some point you say to yourself, is this dream realistic? Right. Am I completely delusional? Am I wasting my life away? Am I supposed to go back to college? <laughs> Am I just ignoring the signs? Yeah, like at what exactly? At what point is it a sign yeah. or is it just, you know, that thing that's just around the corner, right. which is a, what a lot of people tell you. I know it's a no today, but it's just around the corner and you're like, "Well, how far away is the corner? <laughs> how long are these blocks?" Are we 10 yards? Are we talking 10 miles? You know what miles? I mean? It's like, "Ugh, it feels like it feels so painful at the yeah. time and very very confusing because it's not tangible. It's not like uh, being an athlete, like I just would like have dreamed of like, oh, why wasn't I a runner? So easy. You just go, you know, I want to be the fastest runner. Be quantified. So I'm just yeah. going to keep running until those numbers go down yeah. and get shorter and shorter and shorter until I'm number one. Easy. Actors, there's none of that. Was was there one role in particular that jumps out along the way that that you felt like if you had gotten it was going to change your life? Like you pinned all your hopes and dreams like this is going to. Oh, this is it. This is what, what's going to change my life. I mean, so many times, most of the time, though, it never ended up being anything. But ironically, the one that was deeply, deeply painful was United States of Terra because I tested for it and didn't get it the first time. And I fainted when I got the phone call that I didn't get it because I was so sure that that was what I was. That was my what I was supposed to do. Tony Collette was my hero in this. And Kate Gregson was me. I was like, "How, how is this possible? So how did it come back around? They picked up the show and then like, I don't know, whoever knows how much long, uh, maybe six months later or something, they decided that they wanted to recast. Got it. But instead of just offering me the job, they made me re-audition all over again. So I had to go through like with her for five or six more <laughs> auditions and then screen test again. And for those who don't know what that means, it basically means you go into like like a very dramatic boardroom right. where 30 people are at an extremely long infinity boardroom table. <laughs> that And it's a, com- you know, United States was a comedy and they purposefully don't laugh so that you have no gauge as to what it is that's going on. And you do your material and you have to sit there with they you sign a contract. So all four there's like four of us auditioning. You sign your contract ahead of time. Right. So you're very you feel so close to getting the job. And then you have to sit there all day. So you do one audition for the studio with these four, let's say four girls. You go in, you each go in, nobody laughs. They make you <laughs> they make you wait an hour and then you have to wait to see if you get to like the next level. And they usually can cut. I go in again and not make anybody laugh, please. So they go and call. <laughs> they call people, and you're either cut or you get to go to the next one. And so then you show up at the next thing, either the next day or a couple hours later. And there's like you and one other person, 
and then you go through the process again. And then you can find out in an hour, you can find out in a week, right. you can find out in a month. <laughs> it's awful. I was like sure that I was like going to develop an ulcer after these situations. I mean, it's just torture, is, is absolute there, torture. Is there also an element that fucks with your brain a little bit in that like you're competing then with probably you're going up for a lot of the roles with friends of yours, against friends of yours. Is Sometimes, that... but a lot of the time it wasn't, ironically. Yeah. There was, for I can't, reason, I can't recall, wasn't. yeah, I can't recall many times where it was like we're, we're sitting next to each other. There's been times where, like, I've heard over the phone, oh, it's between you and someone else. Like, yeah. I've many times been between me and Shay. Right. And then that's awesome. I mean, tr- really, we just like send each other high five emails going, great. Well, we know it's going to be good either way. Yeah. So is, is, is Shay, for instance, somebody, someone's brain that you pick for, like, you know, you're about to embark on like a crazy ginormous movie, the King Kong movie, right? Um, and she obviously has had to navigate and navigated it very well in this kind of franchise versus like, and then and to her credit, she, she's always said Divergent speaks to her also just as much as like the indie mm-hmm. you know, Greg Araki stuff, et cetera. Um, do you find that that's something you're wrestling with right now and you need to kind of lean on friends that have gone through it as you're getting opportunities like? I have. Yeah. Shay's a big one. And actually, Emma Stone. Yeah. I've been talking with her recently and she's amazing. It's really exciting to to be around so many like women that are, you know, doing the same thing as me, around the same age as me, and no one's catty. Right. I think they're it's it's such such an interesting thing because I do think that the way that the media perceives us, especially when it's around awards and stuff, it's like it's this versus that. Right. You know, who beat out the other person right. and who's going to win this and who wore it better. Right. But the reality is is we're laughing about it because none of us care. And we are super excited. Like, for instance, like Leisha Vikander, the fact that she's also in the mix. Like, we can't stop hugging each other going, thank God we're doing this together. Yeah. Although some people look at it and they're like, well, this is sort of, you know, isn't this a horse race? No. It's a lot of time spent in fancy dresses, like talking with people. And what better than to have a girl that totally gets what's going on, that will clink a glass of champagne with you and sit next to you at a dinner table. Like, there's just nothing better than that. So there's actually a huge sense of community and camaraderie that goes along with it. And a lot of knowing from others that have gone through it that are able to, like... It happened a little bit with Short Term 12, where a lot of people that I respected, including, like, Tony Collette, just sort of sent emails that were like, how you doing? That's awesome. This is, you know, a new level of, of your life. Like... Call me if you need to go to lunch. Um, it's it's a very odd experience and not and one that like very few people go through. So it's tough to communicate and right. relate to, and it feels like it feels silly to 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 care about. To right. be honest, like it's such a wonderful thing. It's tough to to actually say. You know, it's also kind of hard too. <laughs> it's kind of hard not being anonymous anymore. Yeah. What are the, but that being said, what are the three things you hate the most about Jennifer Lawrence? <laughs> I have nothing to <laughs> say. Kidding. Nothing to say about that. Only love. And I can't wait to see her. <laughs> um, so when was the last, you talk about sort of like the, the, the lean times in Short Term 12, which was not that long, long ago. Was that kind of the last time you were, like, were you even pondering, like, seriously, going another route and what was that other route going to be many times there's well after the first time that i didn't get united states of terror i decided to take a break mm-hmm. 
and I started taking some college classes. I was taking uh, photography at CalArts and at a community college, I was taking like French ballet philosophy. I took some um, like psychology classes, a couple science classes. That was just to like get my brain lubricated, but really I was kind of thinking I might go into interior design. I was really interested in that, and I thought, well, that's why you, when you walked into this room, you I immediately analyzed everywhere. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very interested in in how a s- physical space is a representation of mental space, hence why I must love rooms. So I was going to say we found the perfect. Room. Oh yeah. Do you have any? Um, was was that a practical like actual location? It wasn't like that was not a set. That was was that a like what, what did that look? No, it was like a real set. Yeah. yeah, it was real set. Four walls with a roof and a door that could lock, but could also unlock for purposes. <laughs> this that, is important. Yep, because girls like me got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Can't be stuck in there all the time. Um, because the, tw- the toilet didn't work. I should also say that's oh. the only thing that was not functioning. Yeah. But everything else was real and functional in room. So, when you look at, I mean, did, did you? Can you count like on one hand, like the number of experiences like a room, like a short term 12, like how many, how many times in your career do you feel like you've had these moments where it all lines up? And is it that, is that what makes it all worth doing that? Like, you know, not all of them are going to feel satisfying in every way, but you're kind of like chasing oh. that, that but Which high. do you mean? Like which part? Like the, well, the, I mean, the, 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 the process? Oh, the validation. No, I'm saying oh, not the, the validation. Actually. Oh, I'm I was going to say, say like, validation is nothing. Yeah, let's set that aside because that's out of your control completely. But yeah, like the a happy experience, a happy thought process, process of making yeah. the movie. Yeah. Is it usually I, a happy process? I'd say yeah. for me at least a solid 90% of the time. Nice. But I'm really picky. Yeah. And that's why a lot of years it was like I was crying in the kitchen to my mom that I didn't have money to eat because I there was just always this thing in me that couldn't that couldn't just do a project that I didn't believe in. Right. I would I my next step if if I needed to financially, I would have just taken a a day job Mm -hmm. and continued to stick to my laurels like there, there was no way that I was going to take an acting job that I didn't believe in i'm also a bad actor when i don't believe in it i think that's why i like i used i was like obsessed with law and order svu and i could never get on that show right because there's just like it's so implausible that i'm not good anymore (laughs) like it for me it all comes from this place of honesty and from a place of heart and from a place of connection and really fighting and believing in these things that i'm saying and if you don't have that if you have no connection to it then it's just it's just bad so is that explained? Because after short term twelve, it wasn't like you were suddenly cranking out film after film. No, and I don't think I ever will. Yeah, it's it's the beauty of being an artist is that it's a it's a step outside of survival. Think about it with like with like uh, like a furniture maker, mm-hmm. and they're making a cabinet. And if what's beautiful about perhaps a very well made cabinet or a cabinet that has like carvings on it or has stained glass doors on it or like imagine like the most intricate beautiful cabinet right besides the fact that that sounds pretty cool and beautiful yeah. what's amazing about it is that this is a person who's so far outside of the steps of survival that they have the time to really craft and care for this one object. Right. Because really, who cares about the carvings on the outside? It's just to hold your dishes or your rock collection. It's right. not for, the carvings mean nothing. But what it represents is the fact that someone is so in such a state of freedom that they have 
the freedom to be able to to take the time to really craft something. Yeah. So for me, and because I live frugally and I'm not really interested in in going beyond my means, I'm going to be somebody that just will do like one project or maybe two projects. But those I will spend so many months crafting and really making it something that's rich and really well thought out. So having having heard you say all that, that, that makes me all the more intrigued by something like the King Kong project. Yep. So what, in a nutshell, can you say what made this, which on the surface could be like, oh, it's this is a franchise, this is a money thing, whatever, which clearly there's some there's something in here that makes this worth a significant amount of time for you. Well, I mean, King Kong is like the myth. I yeah. mean, it's like the biggest myth that we have. And I'm a huge lover of folklore and myth. And that's where a lot of like the roots of the projects that I decided to do come from these older stories. Um, you know, Tom Hiddleston is in Kong and he also has, is a big lover of myth. And so we had a great conversation about it where we both recognized that we were so focused on independent film because it was an opportunity to tell these old stories. It was an opportunity that there was like real artistry that was happening in the independent film world. And then every so often one sort of catches like like short term 12 did for me where it just like catches on fire and this magical thing happens. But even when an independent film catches on fire, it reaches a very, very small audience. It's a very inclusive club. So we both started thinking, well, heck, why can't we take the same level of intelligence and craft and bring the same level of artistry and heart to something that's bigger that's going to be seen by more people. Right. Why does it, because it's bigger, have to be dumbed down? Why can't it be just as well thought out as as the smaller movies that yeah. we were doing? And I will always go back to Star Wars as being the prime example of that. I mean, that is that movie is so deep, man. <laughs> movie is the best. And it's massive. That's also the most massive franchise. I was like, Lord of the Rings, same yeah. thing. It's so rooted in mythology and with these things that are from our dreams and from something that's so far away that we can kind of get a glimmer of it. We can't really remember where it comes from, but we know it. So why not bring that back? Why not if you can? Yeah. Could you, could you uh, daydream, imagine yourself in a Star Wars movie? Because just so you know, I've watched I the, mean, I only daydream about being in a Star Wars movie. Have you watched the new trailer? I haven't. Okay. Because are you trying to not deny yourself? You don't want to see too much, or what's what's the plus? Yes, part of it is that because I'm really excited, and just talking about the trailer has made me emotional like the last two days. <laughs> so I've sort of put it off because I know I'm gonna there, sob. Yeah, but it's like 150 seconds of joy that's waiting for you that you can watch on a loop. I know. I, I did watch that like that longer video where it had like the behind the scenes footage. Yeah. I've watched that like a hundred times, and I just cry every time I watch it. I think. It's good. Maybe I just want to go in sort of blind, not hype it up. It's already, I mean, it's massive. It's the most hyped up thing there is. I do think it'll live up to it, but it, I just would rather. No, I agree. It's the only movie. Gotta keep my distance. It's like the, it's, it's like the kid in me that just like yearns. Yeah. It's the only movie in my position where I, I tend to know a lot about things before I go in and see them that I'm actively denying myself stuff. I just want this one little Christmas present. I just want one little joy. Yeah, and then that's surprise. it. That's all I need. It's coming out soon. Um, 
so growing up, because I, I know your, your tastes are pretty, pretty eclectic in terms of even where you started as a kid in terms of the films that, that you were into. I mean, there was Star Wars, but you early on got into foreign films and independent filmmaking. Um, where did that come from? Was that just came trickled down from your parents or where was the... No, it definitely didn't come from my parents. My parents were always frustrated by my, by my <laughs> TV choices or what, whatever I would hog the TV with. It would drive them crazy. This is a role reversal. This is not usually the way it plays out. Oh man, my parents, I, I would drive them nuts because I love foreign film. <laughs> and so we had one TV in the living room with the one DVD player right. and... I remember my mom snapping at me once because I was watching Masculine Feminine, a Godard film. And she came in and I was like trying to explain to her the importance of this film and how incredible it how was. How old are you at this time, you think? Like 16 or 17. Right. I'm explaining to her, you know, the importance of this film and how incredible it is that Godard did this thing where, you know, he he had he did, had this scene planned out and then Bridget Bardot walks in, but he didn't tell the other actors. Then he has a camera on Bardot, but Bardot knew what was happening. But then you get to see this pure reaction of these people. And she was like, I don't care. <laughs> I just worked all day. I want to watch Top Chef. I don't want to read <laughs> subtitles. I don't care about what was happening in France and the revolution in the right. 60s and the blah, 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 whatever else you're talking about. This is black and white. Can you be like every other kid in like I a Jim Carrey movie? Come on. I don't want to work for my entertainment, is what she said. She actually said, I don't want to work for my entertainment. And it was like, I, I, was, I remember being so hurt and so sad, and I felt so different from my family. Ugh. But then at the same time, it was like a great lesson that I realized that I couldn't just go around telling people what was a good movie and what right. they needed to watch. Like I learned very quickly that I just liked what I liked and I wasn't didn't need to, you know, force my yeah, exactly. force my opinions on anybody else. And, um, you know, just go in my room and take out my angst on my guitar and, <laughs> and try and tune out the sounds of top chef <laughs> have your tastes changed have they diversified were they i mean i love chopped so i guess i love i love cooking shows now so that's the difference you're right mom i'm very precious about what goes inside my brain mm -hmm. it's very important to me like what is going on in there and what my reference points are and and where it's sort of leading me because in reading more about the subconscious and that it's ruling 98% of my brain and that it's doing all this stuff for me that I'm not consciously aware of. Right. It's kind of like having this active Google search engine that's happening all the time. And, right. and it's amazing how with Google that it like knows you so well that it immediately refines it going, Oh, you know, Bray, we know that you like this type of stuff. So when you type in this word, we're just going to show you these, these sites that you like. Yeah. So if your brain's doing the same thing, I feel like it's really important to fill it with the right stuff so it's looking for the right things. Right. Because there's like 20 times more stuff happening in a given moment than what my brain can perceive. So I want to be going after specific things. So you're saying it's, it's not a good idea that I always have my TV on like when I walk in my apartment. Well, what just, are you watching? Well, it's a diverse uh, assortment of, of fare. Like what? <laughs> I'm scared no, to know what you're talking about. Why are you scared about? to know? What What's I a said? diverse affair? I mean, what? TV is pretty scary. Well, you know, I've been watching this past week. I watched um, a little series called Happy Valley, which is a, a, a six-part, uh, really intense, I think it's a BBC show, uh, drama, cop show. That's very intense. Okay, so you're watching it. some interesting stuff. But then I watch crap, too. I watch crap. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, I watched a little bit of The Voice the other day while I ate some soup, you Thank know? Thank you. Thank you for 
finally making me feel okay about I myself. want you to feel okay. Um, I'm not here to say that all TV has to be work or all movies have to be work, right. but I do think that it's There's good to like... Room for comfort, food. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be someone who like... It's like exercise. You don't have to be someone who like your whole world is like 99% right. turkey, ground turkey, and like exercising seven times a day. You could right. be like a 20-minute workouter. Right, right. Sometimes you need a like a, a little cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> it's your life. Um, before we uh, release you back into this endless publicity tour. From one room to another from room. From one, one creepy room to another. <laughs> is this creepier than the room in room? This is creepier. I always felt like room wasn't creepy. <laughs> to me, room was like very comfortable. Oh, well, it was your home. It was my way. space. Yeah, yeah, I liked yeah. it there. Um, I've got a strange little Indiana Jones fedora. I was some... wondering why there was an Indiana Jones so that, fedora that stuffed with, with paper. I thought maybe that was number one sexy ladies. But... <laughs> no, this is the one thing I brought with me. Okay. Um, so you can pick a few. You can answer whatever you like. They're all random. Some are stupid. Some are They're semi-intelligent. Questions? They're questions. Okay. Okay. You ready? They're not fortunes. They're not fortunes, no. You make your own fortune, Brie. My closest friend's family call me... Beanut. Beanut? It's so sweet. Beanut. Does that go way back? Is that to childhood? Pretty far. Yeah. I mean, not a... Not... I, Brie Brie was more when I was a, when I was a kid. Right. But now I'm not even sure how it's gone on, but it's gone on to be nut. And does it fill you with happiness? You know, there's there's someone that loves you that's close by if they're calling you be nut. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, it's a sweet thing. Not many so. people call me that. And now I feel like if someone on Twitter was like be nut, I'm going to be like, that's creepy. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there now. This is not an open door saying call me be nut. I'm just letting you into a little piece of my world. She's Ms. Larson to you guys. Yes. Miss <laughs> Jackson, if you're nasty. My drink of choice is, ooh, any kind of drink? Yeah. We can go... Alcoholic, non-alcoholic, you want Nesquik, I don't care, whatever you want. My drink of choice. I mean, I drink a lot of water, but I'm not going to I'm not going to say that that's my drink of choice cuz it's so boring. My drink of choice. I love to mix it up. I love a tiki beverage. Tiki beverage. You know, oh, I like yeah. a I like a good vacation style beverage. Right. Do you, you like know, an like a, in the drink, like a, a blended margarita, like That's... a blended pina colada, I like a pineapple wedge on the side, I like an umbrella. I, totally... I like a monkey that hangs off the side of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. That's the way that I heal myself. <laughs> you should squeeze some of those in when you go off to King Kong Land. I'm sure oh, I'm going to be in the land of say, the tiki, yeah. of, of the tiki. Yeah, <laughs> That's my dream. Okay. The most interesting person in the world is. Oof. It's, it's very tough for me because I got a couple of people that I find absolutely fascinating. Who's in the top tier? Top tier would be Alan Watts. Okay. David White. Um, fascinated by Susan Sontag. Absolutely fascinated. Anybody who has not only read her work but then get into the video interviews right oof it's great she's very spicy she answered every question from the indiana jones fedora when she came in you're joking of course because <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say there's no way she would she's someone that's like i'm a writer i don't talk to you 
Best vacation you've ever taken? Best vacation I have ever. Ever taken. Ever we taken. We don't want second or third. We want number I one. I went to India and I went to uh, an Indian wedding. Of uh, It was Manoj Manchu's wedding, who is one of the biggest action stars um, in Hyderabad. Oh. And it was a 10-day wedding. <laughs> I had to bring so much clothes. My suitcase was very heavy because you have to bring tons of jewelry, lots of bracelets, lots of headpieces. And it was like nonstop. It was like exhausting. It sounds, it sounds like you filmed like a Bollywood uh, thing while you were Pretty there. Pretty much. And uh, it was the, the wedding itself was for 50,000 people. It was live what? on television. I was actually in the wedding party. You can, I have footage <laughs> of me on the local news channel. That's amazing. Because I was like the only white person at this wedding. <laughs> um, and uh, they do this amazing thing called a Sangeet, which I think is one of the most brilliant things where they spent three months friends and family of the bride and groom they don't get to see what's going on but the the friends and family write and choreograph a musical telling the story of the bride and groom amazing of their lives growing up right. how they met it, there was lasers, there was, <laughs> there was photo montages, nice. there was stairs that were ro rolled out where a woman came out with a scarf and a fan blew all over her. It was like, it was like a full... They're doing it right. It was like somewhere between like a junior high talent show <laughs> and a Beyonce concert. Amazing. Which I didn't know that there was... Oh, I like this one. I wish I could change this about my body. I wish that I could change my brain's ability to think that there is anything I need to change about my body. <laughs> very wise, very wise. Uh, because it functions just fine. And I just got a bunch of blood work done, which says that I'm in, I'm in remarkable health. So what would I need to change about that? Exactly. Fantastic. I, I feel like you've just earned your, your number one sexy lady oh, mug then. On, the, on, that, on that note of positive affirmation. Me. Oh, oh, great. And that? there's even like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's nine screws in here. <laughs> Sorry for bringing you into this hellhole. Sexy lady, what? this I'm, is much creepier than room, by the way. I want to be very clear about this. I'm now that you've handed me a number sure. one sexy lady mug with <laughs> nine screws in it that have been used. Right. I have a lot of questions. Yeah. I have no answers. And I cannot wait to get out of here. Where's security? I'm 99% sure the door is unlocked but we'll find out after the podcast ends. oh my gosh if not i'm gonna find i could jump out the window no, no, <laughs> no i can't okay nothing's uh, we'll let you out now. back into the wild thank you for coming brie thank you honestly congratulations on the movie it's amazing thank you Hi, I'm Kevin Avery, and I'll bet the Earwolf or Wolf Pop podcast you just enjoyed was funny or entertaining or informative, probably all three of those things. But did they mention, at any point, 
two-time Oscar-winning actor, director, and philanthropist Denzel Washington. If not, then what are you doing with your life? You deserve only the greatest, which is why you should be listening to Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. It's the show where my good friend W. Kamau Bell and I discuss and review every Denzel Washington movie, deliver the latest Denzel news, and even break down the state of diversity in Hollywood, all while joined by awesome guests like Vernon Reed from Living Color, uh, comedian Phoebe Robinson, and director Ava DuVernay. Here's just a taste. Who's a black actress uh, in movies right now? There's a lot on TV. There's Taraji and Gabrielle and Carrie, but I feel like there's no black woman in film. Unless you want to play a superhero or a woman who goes, baby, where you going? Then there's not much left for you. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Baby, where you going? (laughs) Baby, I gots to go. (laughs) Baby, where you going? That's the... (laughs) That was the whole scene. it's It's a play I'm writing... For more like that, tune into the greatest podcast to ever discuss the greatest actor of all time, period. Listen to W. Kamau Bell and I discuss Denzel on iTunes, Wolfpop.com, Howl, or your favorite podcast app. This has been a Wolf Pop production. Executive produced by Paul Shear, Adam Sachs, Chris Bannon, and Matt Gorley. For more information and content, visit wolfpop.com.